Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 324. This is Tim Maluli and Brendan is here with me today. Thanks for tuning in. Brendan, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, some some turbulence in the market since we last spoke, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we touched on it a little bit last week, but there was another article in the Wall Street Journal, and the headline kind of made me just go, "Wow, this is a this is a headline." So the headline was: "Market volatility teaches new investors that stocks go down too." In a year like 2020, it's it's remarkable that we could even have a headline like that, considering everything that happened in the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, it's wild that we've forgotten that the way we got to this, you know, 50 plus percent run up in the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones is because directly preceding that, we had right. a 35 percent decline in both of them, respectively. And, uh, it, you know, it just seems we get super wrapped up in in whatever the most current move is but yeah over over you know the last several days uh we had a five-day stretch going back to to last week into the beginning of this week where we saw the nasdaq drop 10 percent uh, in five days and the s p 500 was off seven uh, at that point too uh two of the tech darling stocks of the last month or so tesla was off 26 percent apple is down 14. yeah uh so yeah there were a lot of people who i guess are newer to investing uh, just because, you know, the climate thing, things have just been going so well in the stock market, at least for the last, you know, several months since right. since the end of March, yeah. roughly. And uh, it's new for them to experience uh, a quick 10%, 10, 10 drop, although yeah. it's pretty normal market activity uh, otherwise for, for folks who have been paying attention. So it's been pretty well documented in the media about how many people are starting to trade and get involved in the stock market over the last couple months because the market has been doing so well. Like you're saying, um, all of these big name stocks have been really going up a lot. And people between the, the factor that there's no sports for people to bet on and also that people are at home with more time on their hands, all of that kind of perfect stormed into more and more people day trading their accounts. They always say that experience is the best teacher, but in this case, I really wish that there was another way for people to learn about the stock market besides jumping in while stocks are hot and getting their face ripped off. You know what I mean? Yeah. It. I mean, depending on how levered up people were, I mean, you, you're reading about individuals, uh, Getting into different options, things like that too, as you know, in, in addition to individual stocks, things like that, or, or leveraged ETFs, products like that. Yeah, so a 10% drop in the Nasdaq might have been more painful for somebody. Uh, like I said, if you were all in on Tesla stock, you felt it more, or if you were in some kind of three times Nasdaq product, you know, yeah, you got your face ripped off, and you have to learn. And I just, I'm just, I just wish there was like a higher, like, high, higher hurdle to clear, because literally anybody can go and open a trading account. Um, if you have money to do that, especially with no commission costs anymore, like the barrier to entry is very low. 
even I feel like it's it sounds silly, but even just having people like click through a course or something real quick before <laughs> it sounds know. silly, but like if you just look at a market chart of like this year, like yeah, you don't you don't have to you don't have to like go back into the history books to to see the last time there was volatility to the downside. Right, we, we went down thirty five percent in six, six weeks. In six weeks. So yeah, it's it's right there. What do you so mean I stocks just, can go down? Yeah, like, it's like how short term memory are all of these right. all these folks? Right. So we've we've had it's just a wild year because we've had two polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of volatility. Volatility can be up like it's mostly been since April, let's call it. Right. Uh, and it can be down a lot too, like it was from the middle of February to the end of March. Yeah. And that's that's just part of what comes with investing. But new lesson for some folks, hopefully not for clients of ours. This is something that, that we talk in terms of expectation setting and and letting people know realistically what what they should anticipate their investments doing uh ho hopefully not news news to any of our clients but it's it's wild yeah i think i mean especially with options too they pointed out in the article about how there was uh, a record it's a 28 million options contracts last month and that was up significantly from the same month this time last year. Options are very complicated and it's it's you need to know what you're doing and even sometimes when you know what you're doing you can still end up losing a lot of money. So I'm not sure most folks need them. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary to earn good long-term returns in the stock market. Uh, unfortunately, you've been reading a lot about folks who are trading and doing and doing options and and using some of these options because it's like a cheap way for them to get exposure to right you know stock that they that they want to own but yeah. i mean it's there's so much going on and and i think there was something else in the journal uh that that we wanted to touch on just in in terms of some of these new uh traders who, who are entering the market or have entered the market these last few months. So, something to note uh, for, for folks who are trading stocks or whatever they're doing on their own, if you're doing this in a brokerage account and you haven't held the thing, the stock, the ETF, the mutual fund for uh, longer than a, than a year, you have to remember too that you're, you're not going to pay capital gains tax on that. You're actually going to just pay it as, as if it was ordinary income. Yeah, you're not going to get the lower long-term capital gains rate uh, that you would if you held it for more than a year. But these people, you know, if you're day trading, obviously, you you're know, yeah, out, every right. couple days you might be flipping in and out. And I think it's important for people to know they've just opened their accounts that every transaction that you have, every sale that you make has tax ramifications to it, whether you made tax, money or you lost money. You're going to get a tax form from the custodian uh, yeah. come tax time next year, and it's going to be like 20 pages long they if, said, if you've been trading. Yeah, the, the article in the Wall Street Journal that outlined the, the tax notes that people need to know if they're day trading had a quote from someone who was day trading, didn't realize that there were tax ramifications to what they were doing, and they got something from the custodian the next year. And I think the person said it was like 16 or 17 pages long. Yeah, your tax preparer is going to hate your guts. Yeah. Uh, or you're <laughs> yeah. going to be really mad at yourself when you're trying to do TurboTax or whatever yeah. whatever you do. Imagine, I oof, I can't even imagine people who, might who do their reason, own taxes. It might be a reason enough to hire somebody else to do yeah. it if you've gotten this thing and, and now you can't. You know, it's it's complicated your your uh, tax return to the point where it's no longer within your hands. So yeah, I I just think like if if you've had a good time thus far doing trades in the environment of the last four or five months, uh, yeah. that's great. 
just just remember that net out of your returns are these taxes that are going to be due next year uh, if you're not already making quarterly estimated payments as a result because there's no way right. to withhold tax from uh, brokerage accounts as as you can do when you're taking a, like an IRA distribution, let's say. Right, yeah. One other interesting note from the first article that I thought was uh, how they noted that with the options contracts, it was a lot more calls than it was puts mm-hmm. for people, which means... Uh, I think the quote was that the investors, it seems like investors are more worried about missing out on gains than they are about hedging against losses. That captures the, uh, just like the overall market sentiment and feelings. It's it's more right. uh, it's more FOMO than uh, you just get the feeling fear at this point. Yeah. Fear, fear you, of missing out as opposed to fear, fear of, of losing, losing money. money. Right. Yeah. yeah. It hits a lot of people and I get it, uh, but it, it feels like everybody else out there is getting rich, wildly rich in the stock market, and I'm not, so I need to participate. It's not the case. I know it, it might feel that way, though, for, for some people. Yeah, I mean, and you, you can do it in in a more methodical, organized way. You don't, you don't have to, like, you don't have to get your exposure by doing crazy calls right. on... out-of-the-money call caps, options on Tesla. And stuff. Like, that's... Yeah. You, you can invest in the market in a more prudent way than that and, and a more sensible way with money that you can afford to have in the market, like all of these yeah. different boxes you want to check and then have a strategy that isn't going to give you a bunch of extraordinary income to pay tax on this year. Like you you can do it in a brokerage account in a tax managed way. Like yeah. it's it's all possible to do. Like you, you can participate, so you can have that feeling but just execute on, on the idea a little differently. But and yeah, you know, that's up to the individual. If if they'd rather trade in their Robinhood account, then the power to them. They should at least just have this information, though. Like, okay, one, the market can go down, as the first article yes. alluded to, and two, yeah. uh, there are tax ramifications to trading in a brokerage account that I should probably be aware of. Yeah, one thing that you you mentioned in there was invest with money that you can inf- afford to invest with. Yeah. Uh, or trade with. At the end of the first article, they talked about a guy who said that he saw Tesla going up and up and up and essentially bought in at the top and has now lost $20,000 in Tesla. And one of the last quotes in, in the article was him saying that we were planning, we were planning on getting married. Yikes. Yeah, yeah don't, <laughs> so, don't, so don't put more money of the in the sort, market that you need for yes. something like a wedding or literally anything that you would need to do right. in the next 12 months. Like don't, don't we harp on this all the time, but yeah, do not have a margin of safety. Do not have money at risk that you're, you're going to spend in the short term. And I consider the short term to be the next year or two, maybe three, maybe depending th- on what kind of goal we're talking about here. So right. be sensible about this sort of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. So the other article that we wanted to talk about was from our friend, of course, Christine Benz at Morningstar, making her weekly appearance on the podcast. Yeah, a lot of good stats about 401ks in there. I picked out a handful of stats that she included in the article and just kind of the implications or, or what the, those stats mean or what they say to me, at mm-hmm. least. Um, the first one being that just generally 56% of all workers uh, are participating in a workplace retirement plan of any kind. So that's 401ks, 403bs, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was from 2019. So that was a stat from last year. While it's good to see a, a majority of people participating in those plans, I think the other, the opposite stat there says more to me. It means 44% of people are not participating in those plans. So 
how are those people saving for retirement? Because if they're just using an IRA, the limitations for what they can put in there are significantly less. Yeah, It'd be great to see that number go up. You're at a disadvantage if, if your employer doesn't offer uh, a workplace retirement plan. Disadvantage in the sense that you can't put stuff away on a tax deferred basis to the extent that others can. Right. You can still stay, uh, you can still save and there are options available to you, like you said, uh, IRA, Roth IRA up to the up to the limit and then after tax from there I mean there may be some other options to discuss and people are who are self-employed have have a whole another host of right. options to dig through in terms of what they can do but uh, yeah it's you know it's great to see that that many people have access to a plan but you I certainly I can't hope say, the number goes up you, you hope it goes up but uh, it's it's not cheap yeah, uh, especially for small businesses to offer these sort of plans, and so it's uh, that. That was another point that we saw later down yep. in the article. I think we'll touch on that now. Then one of the stats was 1.42 percent was the total cost per plan average per participant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it costs a participant 1.42 percent to participate in their 401k if the plan has less than one million dollars in assets versus. for plans that have more than a billion dollars in assets. So to your point, those smaller 401k plans are pretty expensive for the participants and also for the employers to run as well. Yeah. So again, like you are at an advantage if your employer offers a plan versus not at all. So you've got a leg up there, but then your your tables turn. You're at a disadvantage if you're at a smaller employer on average, we're saying, right. versus somebody who works at, you know, a, a Fortune 500 company. Because yeah. we've we've seen 401k plans from, you know, the smallest mom and pop businesses to the, you know, the big some of the biggest companies in this in uh, in this country. And uh, yeah, the costs are usually just what you alluded to in the sense that yeah, the bigger the plan, they have economies of scale. They can they can uh, you know get their their costs lowered because they're bringing more assets to whoever the plan provider is. Right. Unfortunately, that's that's how it works. You know, it's it's all something to consider. So I I would yeah. say all else equal, it's it's better to have have a plan. So if it's you know if it's if it's offered to you, then you know you have the ability to put nineteen thousand five hundred into a plan versus. You know, six grand for for an IRA uh, yeah. on a tax deferred basis. I mean, I I say you do that in most cases, right? Uh, assuming assuming, assuming you have the you ability can. to. Yeah. Yep. So another stat that I thought was interesting was how she said seven percent was the average salary deferral amount in Vanguard retirement plans in 2019. So that means you know people are deferring seven percent of their salary into their accounts, whether or not that maxes out for them. I think for for a lot of people, deferring money into their 401k or their 403b kind of checks the box in terms of retirement savings. And, you know, if that's their only means of savings, uh, 7% is is a kind of low savings rate. So that's kind of the takeaway that I have from it. Hopefully, if you're putting 7% away, that's great. But I think they're there should be more on top of that if you have the ability to. There's no there's no one size fits all answer, unfortunately. And so, yeah, I mean, because seven percent for for somebody might mean they're maxing out, and right. for somebody else it might be nowhere close. Yeah. Um. And and so there's different answers for you know both of those people. Obviously, the the person who's not maxing out, 
Uh, maybe there's a reason they're doing 7% into there. Maybe maybe they have some more shorter intermediate term goals and, and they're doing more savings on top of that, but it's going into uh, a brokerage account or yeah. a Roth IRA uh, in addition to their 401k kind of thing. Just yeah. and, and that could make perfect sense based on their situation. Yeah. See, I would rather have them do that than one of the last stats that I pulled was that 78% of all plans have loans outstanding. Yeah, right. So I'd rather someone contribute a little less and have more money if they need it in the short term than pile money into this plan, max it out, and then have to take loans and pay it back with interest Absolutely, you know, over yeah. a handful of years. I mean, I'd rather see somebody put 1% into their 401k versus 7% with a bunch of consumer debt right. on, on their uh, balance sheet or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so likewise... Like like I said, seven percent could also mean somebody is maxing out based on their salary, and if that's the case, then I would say that person needs to be focusing on above and beyond that seven percent. If they're checking that box, yeah. maxing out their nineteen thousand five hundred or more, if they're you know over age fifty, what else can they do from there? Because I you know a health a healthier savings rate depending on their goals might be might be close to double that, maybe maybe even more. It, you know it depends, but yeah, don't don't just assume that maxing out or doing x percent is your job is done yeah it's not right just because somebody else is doing it or somebody recommended it to you initially i mean these right. are things you need to revisit as your income changes as as your life situation changes goals goals change so yeah there's there's no unfortunately there's no there's no magic number like if you do 10 percent into your 401k you'll be you'll, you'll be good golden. yeah you'll be golden you're set yeah so they did say that of 401k savers at vanguard uh, only 12% of them maxed out. There there are people taking advantage of these accounts, but you know, 88% of of people are not maxing it out to as the the max benefit that they can put away every year. Again, that like you were just saying that that could be a good or a bad thing, it depends on how much money they're making. They might not have the ability to put that much money away into the account. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it. You need to yeah. Do it because it's right for your situation and, and, and it makes sense. Yeah. Getting to the number of investment choices in the plans, the average number was 28 investment yeah. choices. And that was from 2017 of across all 401k plans. 401k like menus, we've seen tons of these things. They're just an enigma to me because some of them are yeah. really good and balanced in terms of like they'll give you uh, two or three options for, for each asset class. Like they'll have... U.S. large cap, they'll have a couple of mid cap or small and mid cap funds or small cap separate. They'll yeah. have some international funds, some bond funds, and then usually a, you know a slew of, of target date options. It, there, there just seems to be no rhyme or reason to some some plans that I see. Like they'll have some like yeah. random sector fund, or they'll have like ten large cap growth funds and yeah. like and like one small cap option. It's just like right, and it and it stinks because you kind of just have if if that's going to be which I believe it is one of the easiest ways to save because it's doing it through salary deferral and the place where you can save the most on a tax deferred basis, which it is for most folks. Again, you want to use it, but then you get there and the investment options leave a little bit to be desired. So, so you just kind of have to make do with what you can. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap up episode 324 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. A lot to think about if you're you know, just getting started with day trading uh, stocks or investing in your 401k at work. That's going to do it for me and Brendan. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.